reading from Luke 21, 8 to 36. And he replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison, and you'll be brought before kings and governors, all on the account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and it will even put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will, be peri will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. And when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by enemies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and those in the country not enter the city. For this is a time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and they will be taken as prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars on earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what's coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them this parable. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will surely not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful of your hearts. Be weighed down with Don't be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And the day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all of those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So far the reading. Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to Luke 21. Two large sections in the chapter. First of all, near prophecy, or the next 40 years between uh, Jesus' death and the destruction of Jerusalem. And that is about half the chapter. And then what I call far prophecy, the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the chapter, verses uh, 25 through 38. First of all, verse 8. Okay, brief outline of the chapter there. First of all, you see the next 40 years. General signs, verses 8 through 11. Persecution, 12 through 19. Destruction of Jerusalem, 20 through 24. And then far prophecy, the return of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Son of Man. The uh, read the signs section. And then finally, pay attention to yourselves. And uh, as Jesus Christ is teaching in the temple... At uh, one point, they went over to the Mount of Olives, and uh, the disciples were saying, look, 
at the marvelous stones and look at the marvelous buildings and how wonderful the decorations. And Jesus said, these things aren't going to last. They're going to be destroyed and every stone will be torn down. So the disciples go, well, when's that going to happen? When will those things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And when will be the end of the age? Those are the three questions they ask. I think Jesus answers all three questions, but he jumbles it all together so that we don't quite know. <laughs> I wish uh, he, things were more specific, and uh, I wish he would give us years and dates, but he doesn't. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this material. Matthew has the most, and uh, that's usually where people go. Luke has the most general description of this material, uh, but all three included that uh, Jerusalem will be destroyed, and you will see the army surrounding Jerusalem. So when those who don't believe in God and don't believe in miracles, when they read their Bible they automatically say they're making that up after the fall of Jerusalem. Right? Does that make sense to you? They go, prophecy is impossible. So the only way they could write that specifically about what's going to happen is if they all write after Jerusalem's destroyed and they pretend like Jesus says it. Now that's the way the world thinks. So when you hear critical scholars, all of them think that way. That's why they have all the Gospels written late. Late into the first century. We believe, I think, probably, now I say probably, Mark for sure is written before 70. I think probably Luke is written before 70. They're writing these things that Jesus said before they happen. Now Jesus says them in 30. They're not written down until a few years later. So let me just run through some slides to give you some visual images of what we're talking about. So this is, this is a picture. This is somebody standing on the Mount of Olives looking at Jerusalem. And Jerusalem would be to the west. Mount of Olives is to the east of the city. And here you're looking at the Temple Mount that's the Dome of the Rock. That's a, a Muslim mosque built on what they think is the site of the Jewish temple. And supposedly underneath that mosque, that gold mosque, is the very stone on which Abraham slayed his son Ishmael, according to Islam. We say Abraham was about to slay his son Isaac. They think that's the temple spot. Maybe, maybe not. So you, you can actually, as you're looking on the Mount of Olives, you can see onto that Temple Mount area. This is just a little different perspective. You can still see the Dome of the Rock. On the left, there is a large building on the Temple of Mount. That's the El-Aqsa Mosque. And supposedly that's the place where the Prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven on the flying horse. But that's, those are very prominent mosques for Islam. And so Jews never go on this Temple Mount area. But Jesus would have been sitting over here. They would have been looking over at the Temple Mount. You can see it. And there's a huge valley in the middle. Down in the valley between where you're standing in the picture and the Temple Mount is the Kidron Valley. And just off the screen would be the Garden of Gethsemane. 
right down in that valley. This is a reconstruction of the model of the temple that was going to be destroyed. You can see little people standing in the beginning of the picture to just give you an idea of how big this is. This is mammoth, larger than what the Dome of the Rock was in the previous picture. You would be able to see this from everywhere in Jerusalem and even from miles and miles away. You would be able to see this Temple Mount area. To the right of the temple is the fortress, Roman fortress, where Jesus would have been beaten and tried. This is the Colosseum in Rome. And you're going to ask me, why is that there? So when the Romans captured this in 70 A.D., they surrounded it. They had three legions surrounding the city. They had one legion on the Mount of Olives. And the first thing they did was to break into the newer part of the city. Eventually, they took the Roman fortress. And from the Roman fortress, they broke into the temple. When they broke into the temple, they took everything out of the temple. The temple caught on fire. The gold adorning the temple melted and ran down between the stones. And so they tore the temple down to its foundation to get the gold that had melted between the stones. When they took the city of Jerusalem, they killed one million people. Women, children, adult men killed. They took 100,000 slaves. Those 100,000 slaves were taken to Rome. Those slaves built the Colosseum. Okay, 100,000 slaves taken from Jerusalem built the Colosseum. Romans didn't work themselves. <laughs> they used slaves from the, their captive, captive countries to do it. And this is one of the buildings that they built from that capture of Jerusalem. In fact, the money that they took from Jerusalem was what paid for the Colosseum. So Titus got 10% of all the loot he was the general. Titus' father was the emperor. When Titus returned to Rome, he gave all of his loot to build the Colosseum. Okay, so you destroy the Jerusalem temple. The slaves build the Colosseum. You use the money from the temple to build it. Colosseum in the background. Now in the foreground is an arch. That is the Arch of Titus. And uh, that was built after Titus died. He was an emperor for three years, and it was built by his brother. And it was built to honor him and the fact that he had conquered the Jews and wiped them out. Not only did the Jews build the Colosseum, but the gladiators who fought in the Colosseum were then Jewish prisoners who were forced to fight as gladiators. So not, not only do you have them building your building, they're providing the entertainment by fighting and dying in the Colosseum. This is a close-up picture of that Arch of Titus. This is uh, the model on which the Arc de Triomphe is built in Paris. This is on the side of that Arch of Titus. And you will see on the Arch of Titus, right in the middle of the slide there, there is a Jewish menorah. And what they are picturing is they are picturing all of the things they took from the Jewish temple, which Titus brought back to Rome to pay for everything. And uh, the most prominent, that is a representation of the menorah taken right from the temple. And they're also holding up the golden pans that were used in the, in the altar and on the fireplace. All those were taken to Rome as well. 
and uh, the people carrying them are Jewish slaves. And that's on that side of the Arch of Titus, picturing the destruction of Jerusalem and his great triumph in wiping out the Jews. But when the Jews went back to the land in 1948, and they wanted to come up with a symbol for their parliament, and they were looking for an old menorah, this is where they got the symbol from, the Arch of Titus, thinking that this actually pictured what was there in the temple when it was destroyed, and so that's where they got the model for the menorah that they use today in Israel. Okay, so that just kind of gives you a big visual picture of what we're talking about. As Jesus says, the city's going to be surrounded and destroyed, and it's going to be torn down, and nothing's going to be left. And for, for a Jew, this is devastating. That the center of their worship will be destroyed. Last time we mentioned it has been standing for 550 years, the temple. They have been building it for 50 years. And in fact, they will continue building it until 60 A.D. And then shortly after it is finished being built, the Romans will come and tear it down. By the way, the Romans don't just do this to the Jews. They also did it to the Dutch. They tried to wipe out the Dutch. Julius Caesar killed 150,000 Dutch Men, women, and children. He wanted to wipe them out because they were tired of them fighting against them. How dare people fight against us? They did not succeed in wiping out the Dutch, but they tried. Okay, back to the text. Verse 8. How are we going to know what's going to happen? Watch out that you are not deceived. Many will come in my name claiming, I'm he, the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. By the way, people are still saying the time is near. I had a teacher in grade two, and he believed the year would be 1972. He was wrong. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Christ began to rule in October 1914. They thought that would be the return of Jesus. They were wrong. And so then they said the thousand-year reign of Christ would begin in 1925. And, of course, that was wrong. And so then they said, well, that was, that's a spiritual reign. William Miller, founder of Seventh-day Adventists, believed that Christ would return on October 22, 1844. He didn't return. So they call it the Great Disappointment. Jesus says, these are the things you're going to hear. Here's the Messiah. There's the Messiah. I'm a Messiah. I'm telling you, the end is near. Don't follow them. Verse 9. When you hear of wars and revolutions, don't be frightened. They must happen. The end will not come right away. Verse 10 and 11. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. All those I call general signs. Now, by the way, I believe we're still in days of general signs. If you take the blueprint for the first century, that's the same blueprint for us today. General signs. The time is coming. 
I don't know if I've talked about this before. I, I read, read an article the other day. They took woolly mammoth DNA and they put it into a mouse. Did anybody else see that? Like that's not, that doesn't sound like a good thing to be doing. <laughs> but they took the woolly mammoth DNA, 28,000 years old, and put it into a mouse and the, and the DNA came to life. It was too corrupted to do anything though. And I just kept thinking, like, eventually we're going to do something that is so bad, <laughs> it's going to really hurt us. And uh, I think that might happen at end times, when we have famines and pestilences in various places, diseases that we can't control. Because in our hubris and our pride, we think we can do anything, and we don't really know what we're doing. We think we're God, but we're not. General signs. Secondly, persecution. But before this, they will seize you and persecute you. I've got six points from this section to apply to you and to me. This is what's going to happen to the disciples. I think we should take, make some application to our own lives. First of all, I said be hated for the right reason. Be hated for the right reason. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. You will be brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. Be hated for the right reason, because of the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we should be hated, because we take the name of Jesus. And so you will bear testimony to me. Number two, what should we do? Bear testimony to Jesus Christ. We have to make it about him. Point number three. Notice, you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Have you ever had to speak in front of people? I used to hate it. Now, if you ever speak in front of people, here's some simple tricks. Number one, go to the washroom before you get up front. Number two, simple trick, be in front of people as long as possible before you have to open your mouth. Because that way you get used to seeing the people before you have to speak. Whereas if you're like Brent and you're sitting on the front row with your back to the audience and then you get up to speak and you turn around and see the audience for the first time, it's a shock. So the idea is if, if Brent's going to speak, Stand up here for five minutes before you have to say something. Number three, most importantly, I said, be prepared. Know, me, know your material. Know what you're going to say. And number four, practice your speech beforehand. Now, Jesus says, throw all those rules out the window. <laughs> Don't worry what you're going to say beforehand. I'll give you the words. I know some of you are going, well, I, I have to worry. <laughs> he says, don't worry. Make up your mind not to worry about what, how you're going to defend yourself. I will give you the words to say. Point number four. Some of you will be killed. Some of you will be killed. Verse 16. You'll be betrayed by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. They're still doing that today. 
Christians still being killed. Number five, everyone will hate you. Verse 17, everyone will hate you because of me. I don't like it when people hate me. Be prepared, they're going to hate you. And number six, stand firm and you will win life. Jesus is on his way to the cross. His followers and all the followers of Jesus Christ, including us, have a cross coming too. And we need to pick it up and carry it. And Jesus tells, us, tells them beforehand so that they will be encouraged and they will be ready for it. Verses 20 through 24, the destruction of Jerusalem. And I've, I've talked about that. Notice verse uh, 24. They will, they will fall by the mouth of the sword. They will be taken captive into all the nations. Jerusalem will be walked on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We're still in the times of the Gentiles. But you can see that maybe the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. After all, we saw a picture of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is now the capital of Israel. Jews are returning to the land. They're not returning in faith, but they are returning to the land. But they don't have the Temple Mount. Jews don't go on the Temple Mount. Those are Muslims. Christians can go. Jews will not. The coming of Jesus, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity of the roaring and tossing of the sea. Sounds like climate change. Right? Sea goes crazy. All kinds of storms. People in fear of what's happening. Verse 26, with the fainting of men from fear and apprehension of the things coming on the inhabitant of the world, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. As these things are beginning to come, rise up and lift up your heads. Be excited. Enjoy it. Your redemption is near. This is the description of the coming of Jesus Christ. The Son of Man coming in a cloud. You turn with me quickly to the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus is being questioned by the high priest. This is the question he asks in verse 61. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? The Son of the Blessed One, they would use Blessed One instead of referring to God. That means God. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Blessed One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus Christ ruling the universe and then returning on the clouds of heaven what we all as Christians are looking forward to the return of our Lord and our Savior and it is the completion of our redemption he tells them a parable verse 29 see the fig tree and all the, le all the leaves when they put forth leaves 
See for yourselves, you know that the summer is already near. This week uh, at the back door, I noticed that, is it crocuses we have back there? Crocuses were pushing up. And I thought, great, summer's near. And then today happened. But when you see those crocuses and when you see the leaves and when you hear the birds, you know summer's on its way and it's almost here. And so Jesus says, this is when you know the end of time is coming, when you see all of these signs. Seems to me like we're closer to the return of Jesus than ever before. Especially with the speed that things happen today. The speed with which the economy can fall apart. And the speed with which wars can happen. And the speed with which you think everything's going great and the next day it can be a disaster. We, we really live in pre- precarious times. And Jesus says, when you see these things happen, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will surely not pass away until all these things happen. The heaven and the earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. His words are the truest thing and the surest thing that there is. More sure than heaven and more sure than earth. Well, what does it mean for us? Jesus tells you. Verse 34. Pay attention to yourselves. That's my translation. My NIV says, be careful. Pay attention to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down by carousing and drunkenness and the cares of life, and that day come upon you suddenly. Pay attention. Be alert. Be careful. Don't be a party animal. Uh, that word for carousing, I had to look. I had to look it up. I didn't know the word. I, I, I had to look up the word, and I was trying to think what is that word that describes when you're when you get drunk at night, and then the next morning you wake up and you have problems, and I couldn't think of what the word was. A hangover. Yeah. I had I had to search for it on the internet. <laughs> I had to search for that word. What is it when you get drunk at night and you wake up the next morning and you have problems? And so I had to yeah, hangover, and a hangover you end up with uh, headaches and and um, what I forget what else, nausea, vomiting, and you can't handle the light, and you're lethargic and uh, tired. Uh, that, that, that really describes that Greek word, right? So he's saying, pay attention, beware of yourselves, and don't be in this state where you're not at your best. Because when the end is near, you don't want to be out of it. This is important. And so Jesus is saying, be alert and don't be weighed down by the cares of life, right? You can spend all day just looking after yourself, trying to make it through the day, (laughs) worrying about stuff that you've got to do all day. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's more important things to do than just worry about the cares of life all day. Because you don't want to be living that way and then have the, the return of Jesus come upon you suddenly and you're not ready for that. He says, and that day will come upon you suddenly as a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. So, stay awake at all times, praying. Be alert, praying. 
what are we going to pray? That I'll be strong enough, strong enough to escape these things, and that I'll be strong enough to stand before the Son of Man. I want to be able to stand before Jesus when he returns. And I want to be stand I want to stand there and not be ashamed. The disciples I think are in a little bit of a shock. They have to be in a shock after reading this because they think they have come into Jerusalem and Jesus is ready to reign. And Jesus is telling them no. The kingdom of God that you're going to live through will be full of trials, will be full of problems on the earth. Those are not being taken away. You've got to be strong and alert. Follow me. Be prepared for persecution. But keep your eyes ready because the Son of Man is going to return on the clouds. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is very close. And I think that's very true today. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is close. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we are thankful today for your word. Thankful for the teaching of Jesus. We see how he told prophecy so that his disciples would first of all know what faced them. And secondly, so that they could know how great he was, that he was very God and could foretell the future. But Father, he also told them that he would return and they were to be comforted by that. And Father, we take great comfort from that today. Our Father, help each, each and every one of us here today to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ, to be alert, to stay focused, and to take care of ourselves so that we keep our eyes upon Jesus, not the cares of this world, not, uh, not the parties that we can go to, but uh, the joy that we can have in Jesus Christ. Father, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.